Welcome to Healthy Vision Talk Radio, the podcast for people in search of a physician with alternative solutions for their eye problems. From the best-selling, award-winning, world's-only homeopathic ophthalmologist, here's your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat. Dorma from the opera Turn Dot. I will conquer, I will conquer. Welcome to Healthy Vision, the talk radio show that helps you conquer your vision loss. Dr. Edward Condrett is a board-certified ophthalmologist and homeopathic doctor, author of seven best-selling books. Healthy Vision is dedicated to bring you the latest information for a lifetime of healthy sight and to help you conquer your eye problems. And now your host, America's favorite eye doctor, Dr. Edward Condrett. Uh, welcome to Healthy Vision, and thank you so much for joining me this evening. This evening, we're going to be focusing on keratoconus. This is a disease of the cornea, or the front part of the eye. And if you're listening, um, you may have keratoconus. And if you don't have keratoconus, you should probably pay attention, because this is a very commonly misdiagnosed disease. And the because of the increase in refractive surgery, especially LASIK, many people are going into this surgery who have keratoconus, and it can cause devastating complications if keratoconus is undiagnosed. So keratoconus, it's a progressive eye disease in the front part of the eye, in the cornea, and it often occurs in both eyes, and it usually begins in the early teens uh, or early 20s. Uh, before, before I go on with uh, my talk on keratoconus, I want to briefly mention I got an email from someone, and they kind of question, you know, Dr. Kondrat, um, if you're so much against surgery, why are you doing all this mission work and doing surgery in third world countries? Well, i kind of like to clarify this. You know, it's my mission to help people with vision problems in any way that I can. And most of the people that I see in the United States have chronic eye problems who have not been satisfied with conventional medical care or surgery. Or many people uh, are allergic to medications, uh, have a fear of surgery. Uh, so they're reaching out for alternative therapies that can help them. And it is true that I do not do surgery in the United States because... I think there's so many qualified ophthalmologists in the United States who are doing a great job. But unfortunately, in many third world countries, there are no good ophthalmologists. These people uh, have advanced cataracts and eye disease, and they're, they're not really interested in alternative therapies. You know, I can't talk to them about diet, nutrition, uh, heavy metal evaluation, chelation. I mean, my goodness, these people are lucky if they get one meal a day. And their the, the vision loss is devastating, not only for themselves, but typically a blind person in many of these third world countries need to have a younger person guide them. So it ties up two individuals in their society. So it's very rewarding for me to go in to these areas and, and help people in a dramatic way. 
So I hope that explains why uh, I kind of wear two hats. And also I want to clarify, I'm not totally against surgery. I do feel that as a homeopathic doctor and alternative doctor, it's important to look at the underlying cause. For example, cataracts is a common development in most people over the age of 50, and we need to look at the cause, whether it's diet, nutrition, um, heavy metal toxicity. I think it's important to look at the cause and maybe take care of those underlying issues instead of just jumping into surgery. So, keratoconus is a condition that I guess has many options. There are medical and surgical treatments, but I'm going to talk a little bit about alternative treatments that I think can help, and um, also uh, some of the misconceptions about keratoconus. So um, let's begin. Uh, the incidence is uh, kind of vague. It's reported to be maybe one out of a thousand people. It's much higher in men, uh, Latinos, Asians, and Indians. Uh, and I, I, like I mentioned, I suspect the incidence is much higher. Typically, keratoconus begins uh, with the development of astigmatism. And, of course, everybody with astigmatism does not have keratoconus. But astigmatism, and it's funny, you know, people hear the word astigmatism and they think, oh, my goodness, this is something horrible with my eye. I have astigmatism. But Astigmatism is very common. I would say probably 70% of the population has some form of astigmatism. But I want to clarify there are two types of astigmatism. One is regular astigmatism, and the other is irregular. So normally an eye is shaped round like the sphere of a ball. So all the meridians have the same shape. But when you have astigmatism, the eye is shaped more like a football. So one meridian or curvature is steeper than the other. But typically, these meridians of curvature are at right angles or 90 degrees to one another. But in some conditions, the astigmatism becomes irregular. It's not at 90 degrees, or it can vary in shape. And that is essentially what happens when you develop keratoconus. Keratoconus is a weakening of the cornea. The cornea starts to bulge and forms a cone, and then this cone causes an irregular shape. So typically, if you're in your teens or 20s and you're developing keratoconus, you're going to begin to have trouble with your glasses. You know, you just can't get a good fit with your glasses. No matter what change you make in your glasses, things are blurred and distorted. So then you may go to contact lenses, and contact lenses way, wow, improves your vision quite a bit because often contact lenses will eliminate the astigmatism, especially the irregular, irregular astigmatism. So if you're out there and you're frequently getting changes in your eyeglasses and your eyeglasses just don't seem to fit or you're having trouble with your contact lenses, there might be a chance that you have keratoconus. And sometimes keratoconus is difficult to examine. An eye doctor can look at the front part of your eye and say the cornea or the window of the eye looks completely normal. But the way to diagnosis is something uh, called keratometry. This is kind of like a 
topographic map of your cornea. The doctor will shine in circles of light in your eye and kind of measure the topographic map or shape of the cornea. And they can find out very quickly uh, if the cornea is round, if it has astigmatism, or it has any irregularity. And there are particular patterns um, that keratoconus has, which makes it diagnostic. Now, the big concern is that because so many people with early keratoconus are having trouble with their eyeglasses, maybe contact lenses, they begin to think about LASIK eye surgery. And LASIK eye surgery now is probably the most commonly performed surgery where the doctor, um, with a laser, shaves a small section um, off the front part of the eye to change the curvature to eliminate myopia or nearsightedness. Unfortunately, the LASIK surgery causes an additional thinning of the cornea. So this can be devastating. This can be devastating and cause severe complications. So all the doctors who are doing LASIK carefully evaluate patients uh, for the possibility of keratoconus, and they're just not a candidate. But unfortunately, some people are misdiagnosed or undergo the LASIK surgery and um, have major problems after LASIK surgery. Now, there's also the possibility that you may not have keratoconus. You have LASIK surgery, and you develop keratoconus later on. So these are things to be aware of. So we're coming up to a break right now. You're listening to Healthy Vision, and we're talking about keratoconus. Keratoconus is an eye condition that uh, more people should be aware of. And if you do have keratoconus and you're listening, I'm going to be talking a little later about alternative treatments that I think can help, wonderful alternative treatments. And also I'm going to talk about uh, some new and exciting traditional treatments, including uh, cornea cross-linking using riboflavin and ultraviolet light to strengthen the cornea. So there are many treatment options to keratoconus. And when we come back, we'll talk about the traditional options and also alternative options. So... Be right back after this break. The true voice of Arizona. Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. Okay, we're back and we're talking about keratoconus. And as I mentioned, keratoconus begins with a thinning of the cornea and it causes the cornea to bulge. It becomes irregular and uh, maybe some progression of nearsightedness or myopia, and also astigmatism develops, creating more problems with your eyeglasses and uh, contact lens. In addition, there occurs glare and uh, light sensitivity. Also with keratoconus, there tends to be an increased incidence of allergic problems, itchy eyes, uh, burning, And, of course, uh, some doctors feel that these allergic symptoms cause the patient to rub their eyes, and maybe this rubbing may cause additional damage, weakening the cornea. Uh, Some research has indicated that the problem with keratoconus is uh, imbalances in certain enzymes that weaken the collagen structures. So uh, two approaches that we use alternatively, and I'll talk 
more about that later, is uh, vitamin C. Vitamin C uh, is essential to keep our collagen healthy. And, of course, the vitamin C deficiency or scurvy weakens the collagen tissue and causes a lot of problems. So that may be one approach, increasing vitamin C. Also, reducing the inflammatory problems, uh, the allergic symptoms, uh, the dry eyes associated with keratoconus. So one of my favorite treatments is the ozone eye drops, and I'll talk about that a little later when I go into alternative treatments. Traditionally, the treatment of keratoconus is eyeglasses. So when you begin to become nearsighted, a drop in vision, eyeglasses are the first choice. Next would be uh, contact lenses. And typically, early on, regular soft contact lenses will work. But if you have allergic symptoms or dry eyes and you're starting to develop irregular changes in your cornea, the soft contact lenses may not work and you may need to go to a gas permeable or a hard contact lens. The hard contact lens will eliminate the irregular shape of the cornea. Uh, sometimes um, you might need what we call a piggyback contact lens. It's actually two contact lenses in one, uh, one piggybacking the other to help get good vision. And there are many um, eye doctors now who have, are using hybrid contact lens, scleral contact lenses. These are lenses that uh, are larger, cover more of the surface area of the cornea to help improve uh, the vision. As the, as the keratoconus progresses, the cone becomes larger, and it may be impossible for you to wear a contact lens, and that's where you need to consider some surgical options. But I'm hoping those of you that are listening, you'll probably want to embrace some of the alternative treatments that I'm talking about a little later so you can prevent the progression of the keratoconus. You can do things to strengthen the collagen of your cornea. You can do things to reduce the inflammation. All of these probably contribute to uh, the progression. One uh, traditional treatment is called the intact. The intact is kind of a, uh, a contact lens or a little bridge that goes in the cornea to kind of support it, kind of like a scaffolding goes in the weakened corneal tissue to kind of support it and to reduce the curvature. Um, then um, if, if this doesn't work or it progresses, then you need a corneal transplant. A corneal transplant is a major operation where the front surface of the cornea is replaced uh, with a donor cornea. So when I was an active surgeon, um, I did many of these corneal transplants and they're, they're very successful, but certainly like any operation, you want to avoid the surgery if possible. Uh, there are risks with the corneal transplant, a rejection, and unfortunately after a corneal transplant, you do need to have continued lifetime care. You need to take eye drops. You need to have frequent eye examinations to, uh, you know, prevent any corneal rejection. So certainly... You want to do everything that you can to prevent the progression of the keratoconus uh, so it doesn't lead to the point where you, 
you do need a corneal transplant. A new procedure, which is kind of exciting, is corneal cross-linking. And uh, this is a surgical procedure where um, the uh, epithelium or the front part of the cornea is removed, and then riboflavin, which is a type of vitamin B, is administered on the surface of the cornea, copious amounts of riboflavin, which is then absorbed into the corneal stroma, and then it is activated with ultraviolet light. And this apparently uh, cross-links some of the collagen and strengthens the cornea to prevent progression. So this is uh, recently an FDA-approved procedure, and it's something to consider if you have progressive keratoconus and uh, your eye is just not responding to conventional treatment. So the preliminary results with this have shown that it does strengthen the cornea, and uh, this can help slow the progression and, in many cases, prevent the uh, need for a corneal transplant. So this is kind of exciting, kind of exciting. So um, let's talk now about what you can do in terms of alternative treatments. I think those of you that listened to the radio show before know that I'm a big advocate of nutrition, and I think that food is our best medicine. We are, we are what we eat, and um, anything we can do to strengthen the collagen of the cornea, and I do think vitamin C is an important ingredient. Um, there's a book written by a Thomas Levy, and he discusses that many common diseases that we have are due to what he calls a focal scurvy. Uh, you know, it's rare to see full-blown scurvy in the United States simply because there's so many foods. In fact, even some cereals have supplemental vitamin C. So it's unusual if they have a complete deficiency of vitamin C. But there are many conditions that I feel cataracts are a form of focal scurvy, uh, periodontal disease, uh, some types of heart disease, um, cataracts, and uh, keratoconus might be a form of focal scurvy. So by increasing the amount of vitamin C that you consume might be an answer. And they do have vitamin C eye drops, um, or I think probably the best way is to just increase um, your, your daily amount of vitamin C, maybe increasing it up to three to five grams a day, uh, might be adequate to uh, prevent the progression of the keratoconus. In addition, vitamin C is uh, effective in reducing inflammation. So not only are you increasing um, the strength of the collagen, the vitamin C also is helping reduce the inflammation of the eye, and it's a very powerful antioxidant, which reduces the oxidative stress. The second treatment that I like quite a bit is ozone eye drops. Uh, I'm a big advocate of ozone. Ozone is um, uh, a highly reactive form of oxygen, O3, and uh, the ozone eye drops are very simple to make. Uh, we're, we're coming up to a break right now, and when we come back, I'll talk to you about how you can make your own ozone eye drops. They are wonderful 
for treating dry eyes, inflammation, uh, inflammation of the eyelashes, and I think they can be effective in treating keratoconus. I've had several keratoconus patients use ozone eye drops and it reduces the inflammation. I mentioned that often there's allergic symptoms with keratoconus, and you have to be really careful with a lot of commercial eye drops because these commercial eye drops have toxins in them. Some of them have steroids, uh, which can cause an elevated intraocular pressure and cataracts. So ozone eye drops are one form of eye drops, which eliminates a lot of the toxic uh, products that are in commercial eye drops. So when we come back, I'm going to talk about ozone eye drops, how you can make your own ozone eye drops and how they might be effective in treating keratoconus. So we'll be right back after this break. No fake news. Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. Okay, we're back, and we're talking about keratoconus, and we're talking about ozone. And uh, ozone is part of many oxidative treatments. So most of the oxidative treatments are intravenous. Uh, one is called major autohemotherapy, where a small amount of blood is taken out of your body and it is then put back into your bloodstream. The second one is uh, administering hydrogen peroxide, which is an oxidative form of uh, water, H2O2. And we also have ultraviolet blood irradiation. All of these are administered intravenously. But the cornea does not have any blood flow. The cornea is um, bathed with the aqueous humor, doesn't have any blood flow, so that's where ozonated eye drops could be extremely beneficial. So what does ozone do? Well, ozone uh, uh, causes the body to release an enzyme, 2,3-DGP, which causes the blood cells to release more oxygen, and that dumps oxygen into the tissues. It also improves the mitochondrial oxygen consumption. The mitochondria is kind of like the workhorse, the little powerhouse of the cell where energy is produced. So you need oxygen to produce energy. So it improves um, cellular activity. <coughs> and in addition, ozone is bactericidal. It'll kill bacteria. It's also viral-cidal. It'll kill, kill viruses. So remember... I mentioned that one of the contributing factors in keratoconuses may be conjunctivitis, inflammation to conjunctiva, allergy or infections where you're itching and scratching your eyes. So the ozone can re re reduce the, um, you know, the underlying cause of that, but it also helps reduce the allergic symptoms. So I have found that the ozone eye drops are remarkable if you have dry eyes and allergies, but I think they are very effective to help Strengthen the eye if you have keratoconus. In addition, if you have keratoconus and you're wearing contact lenses, the ozone eye drops can be a great uh, lubricant. So, you know all the good things about the ozone eye drops. Well, the bad thing is you got to make the ozone eye drops fresh. Unfortunately, ozone in saline does not last very long. Half-life is around two hours. That means that in two hours, half the ozone is gone. So my patients who are using ozone eye drops will ozonate 
saline in the morning, use the eye drops, and then maybe reosinate them in the afternoon and the evening. Uh, that's not to say you can use the eye drops all day long, but the concentration of ozone decreases. So if you're interested more in ozone, uh, you can go to iozone.com. Uh, uh, that's www.ieozone.com. And I have an outline of everything you know, need to know about ozone, including the link to a YouTube video, uh, which explains exactly how to make your own ozone eye drops. And uh, the investment is mineral, minimal. You need to get a small ozone generator, and typically they run $100, $150. You need to get preservative-free saline, and you also need to get a glass container, either a glass flask or a glass uh, jar. It cannot be plastic because ozone reacts with plastic and uh, can produce some toxic byproducts. You also need a glass eyedropper bottle. And we do have a special we have our ozone eye drop kit where you get everything. You get the ozone uh, generator, you get the saline, and you get the glass bottle. So go to iOzone and you'll find out more on how to make the ozone eye drops. It's very simple. You bubble uh, the ozone into the saline, the small aquarium bubbler, and after 15 to 20 minutes, the saline is saturated with ozone. And then you begin to use them as eye drops. You can use them as often as every five minutes or more. And of course, initially when you make the ozone eye drops, that's when they're the most concentrated. Um, so check it out, iozone.com. Now, another treatment that I really think can be helpful is microcurrent. Microcurrent uses a very low electrical current. We're talking about in terms of um, uh, microamps. A microamp is a millionth of an amp. That's a very low current. And there have been numerous studies to show that the microcurrent reduces uh, inflammation, which is key with the keratoconus. We want to reduce the inflammation. Microcurrent also stimulates cellular activity. And uh, by stimulating cellular activity, we're stimulating regeneration. In fact, one study showed that microcurrent can stimulate cellular activity uh, as much as 500%. Yep, you heard me right, 500%. Uh, so reducing inflammation, stimulating cellular activity, uh, helping to rejuvenate the eye can be a wonderful treatment for those of you that have uh, keratoconus. And if you're interested in microcurrent, we have um, uh, different programs that you can get involved with. Uh, we're having, uh, we do have in-house training and we have uh, a home program where once you go through the necessary course material, you can begin using your own microcurrent machine. So microcurrent is also something to consider. Uh, the next treatment, and this is a treatment that has been used for hundreds of years, is homeopathy. There are several homeopathic remedies that have been shown to be very effective in the treatment of 
keratoconus. One in particular is called euphrasia. Uh, euphrasia or eyebright is a uh, herbal remedy um, that uh, is made in a homeopathic fashion that can be very effective. And there are some euphrasia eye drops on the market. And I think uh, euphrasia eye drops can help treat uh, keratoconus. If you're interested in the homeopathic treatment, it's probably best to consult with a homeopath because there are several homeopathic remedies that might be effective for keratoconus. Calcarea iodotum is one, uh, pulsatella and euphrasia. Those three are historically listed in the homeopathic literature, but uh, probably consulting with a homeopathic doctor, because remember, homeopathy does not treat the disease. Well, it treats the disease, but we look more at the person. So we're treating you as a person. So we're interested in your nature, your temperament, um, you know, when the keratoconus develops your symptoms, and then we can uh, select a homeopathic remedy that not only treats your eye problems, but your nature and temperament. So uh, just to review, uh, and I think it's important that I review all this, is that the first step is to get a diagnosis. So if you're having trouble with your glasses or contact lenses, you find yourself needing um, frequent changes of your eyeglasses. Your eyeglasses just spit. They're having light sensitivity, itchy eyes. There is a chance that you might have keratoconus. Also, if you have a family history of keratoconus, there tends to be a genetic uh, predisposition. So if you have a cousin or a relative that has keratoconus, you need to have your antennas up. Uh, there's a good chance that you could also be subject to this. So um, if you do have some of those symptoms, then the most valuable test for the diagnosis of keratoconus is something called uh, corneal photography or a keratometric reading. This is where a doctor uses a specialized instrument. He takes a picture of the cornea, and it kind of gives a topographic map of the eye. And this topographic map, map can indicate whether you're a keratoconus suspect or whether you have full-blown keratoconus. And also this topographic map is also important to follow any treatment that you have. In addition, the doctor can do a study where he can measure your corneal thickness. How thick is your cornea? Because in keratoconus, you begin to have a progressive thinning of your cornea. So these documentations, the corneal topography map, and the corneal thickness are really critical. If you're, if you're considering refractive surgery, in particular LASIK, it is absolutely essential that you make certain you don't have keratoconus because if you are a risk or you have some subtle signs that indicate keratoconus, you do not want to have LASIK surgery because LASIK surgery causes an additional thinning of the cornea and it can lead to devastating complications, and you just don't want to go that way. Uh, so we're coming up to another break, and when we come back, I'll finish up on Care to Come. be right back after this break. News you won't get anywhere else. Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. 
Okay, we're back. Uh, this is your host, Dr. Edward Kondrat. We're talking about keratoconus. I'm going to open the lines now. If any of you are listening and you have a question on keratoconus, please give me a ring. You can reach me at 602-277-5369. at 602-277-5369 or toll free, 866-536-1100. 866-536-1100. Or uh, you can email me with your question at info at healingthei.com. That's all one word, healingthei.com, healing.theyee.com, info at healingthei. Or if you'd like for me to review a copy of your eye records or set up a free consultation, go to freeconsult.us. That's freeconsult.us. I'm here to help you. And if you do have questions about uh, your vision and you're concerned that you might have keratoconus or if you have keratoconus and your eyes are progressing and you don't know what to do, remember, you want to do as much as you can to avoid a corneal transplant. Uh, That's kind of the last step to rehabilitate your eye. But I think everyone who takes the proper steps early on can prevent the progression of keratoconus and what alternative treatments are essential. Number one, I think that diet and nutrition, in particular, increasing the amount of vitamin C. Uh, Vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant. It is essential for good health of the collagen. And in keratoconus, you do have a weakening of the collagen. Some oxidative damage takes place which causes the progressive thinning. Uh, I recommend that you increase the vitamin C to maybe three to five grams a day and make sure that you're taking a good form of vitamin C. Unfortunately, a lot of the vitamin C on the market is made from corn fructose. You don't want to take vitamin C that's derived from corn because 90% of the corn grown in the U.S. is genetically modified. You want to make sure that it's a free, genetically modified source. Uh, you want to get a natural source of uh, vitamin C. Second is ozonated eye drops. Ozone is a wonderful treatment, especially if you have dry eyes, allergies, and you have early keratoconus. The ozone eye drops can be a very good lubricant on your eye to help soothe your eyes to reduce some of the symptoms of keratoconus. And uh, the only drawback to the ozonated eye drops is you have to make your own. Uh, of course, that reduces the cost because once you invest in an ozone generator and have saline, you can make copious amounts of ozone to help treat your eye. And if you want more information on the ozonated eye drops, go to iozone.com. Uh, or you can go to YouTube and Type in my name, Kondrat Ozone. I have a couple of great YouTube videos that illustrate how you can make your own ozone eye drop. So I think that would be uh, an important first step. Uh, if the uh, uh, keratoconus is progressing, um, then you might want to consider microcurrent. Uh, microcurrent is a wonderful modality for reducing inflammation helping to regenerate the eye, helping to 
uh, restore less vision. The only drawback with microcurrent is you do need training. You do need to be properly informed on how to use the microcurrent machine. And we have two ways of doing that. One way is in office where we give the instructions. And we are having an event um, called the Restore Vision event, which is going to be in February, where we're going to have some micro-training, micro-current training there. We also have a home program to help you learn how to use microcurrent. Um, so if you need more information on that, you can go to chondrotevent.com. That's K-O-N-D-R-O-T, event. That's all one word, chondrotevent.com. And you can get more information on that. And if you are an existing uh, patient of mine, if you have gone through the contract program or you have microcurrent treatment at home, um, this event is uh, no charge for you. And there's a nominal charge if you're not a patient and you want to learn more. So take advantage of this exciting event. Go to chondratevent.com or give the office a call at 800 430 9328 to learn more about the event and uh, how to get started with microcurrent. Lastly, my favorite treatment is homeopathy. I love homeopathy. That's kind of what got me started in alternative treatments. That homeopathy believes that the body has the ability to heal itself and homeopathic remedies can act as a catalyst to begin to undo the changes, the progression. So I believe that with the right homeopathic remedy, you can uh, stop the progression of keratoconus and in many cases reverse some of the changes. Unfortunately, with homeopathy, there just isn't one homeopathic remedy for keratoconus. There are several remedies, and in order to select and find the right remedy, you need to consult with a professional homeopath who understands the remedies and who not only looks at your eye condition, but in homeopathy we treat uh, your personality, uh, your temperament, other problems that are going on. Because remember, homeopathy treats the uh, whole person. So um, keratoconus can be a potentially sight-threatening condition. But with the proper treatment, we can stop the progression and we can give you healthy, functioning vision all your life. But you have to take those, those important steps. Number one, you know, if you have a family history of keratoconus, make sure you do get yearly eye exams, especially if you're having trouble with your glasses, contact lenses, uh, dryness in your eyes, allergies, uh, distorted vision, glare, get an eye examination, make sure you get the corneal topography to see if you have uh, keratoconus. Certainly, if you're entertaining LASIK or some type of refractive surgical procedure, make sure that you are thoroughly evaluated to rule out the possibility of keratoconus. I know early on, uh, when I was doing a lot of refractive surgery, um, doctors just weren't aware of uh, this uh, problem. And, uh, you know, many people had uh, LASIK surgery, refractive surgery with early keratoconus, and they developed severe problems. It was uh, very, very devastating. They would go in with 
a certain degree of nearsightedness, and after the surgery, the nearsightedness would be worse. And it was like, my goodness, how did this happen? We're trying to reduce the nearsightedness, and the surgery became worse. And the problem was that the cornea was thin. Uh, we tried to shape, change the shape of the cornea, but we made the cornea even thinner, and it kind of ballooned out. And that steep curvature of the cornea produced uh, more nearsightedness. So be extra cautious if you are considering uh, refractive surgery. And, of course, my opinion is I am not a big fan of refractive surgery. You know, in addition to the potential complications with keratoconus, there's also an increased incidence of dry eyes and other problems. I think you need to, you know, look at other alternatives besides the LASIK. So we're coming to a close on healthy vision, and I want to thank you for listening, uh, and I hope you learned something about keratoconus. If you do have any questions on keratoconus, please give the office a call at 800-430-9328 or go to my website, healingtheeye.com. That's healingtheeye.com for more information. So I want to thank you so much for listening. This is your host, uh, Dr. Edward Conrad, wishing you good health and clear vision. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to learn more about alternative eye treatments, access free reports, or subscribe to Dr. Kondrat's newsletter, visit us at HealingTheEye.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please write a review. We love hearing from listeners. To hear more episodes about alternative eye treatments, click subscribe and download all of our previous shows. We wish you good health and clear vision. 